Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Her Wild podcast listeners. Here's our second part of the in-depth and fascinating conversation with our guest, Shannon LGO. It's almost like you either have to leave that world or find a way inside that world to make time for it. And it, that's a lonely place to be because the rest of the world carries on. Yeah. And the thought that comes to mind for me is like also the privilege of being able to prioritize the, you know, some people don't Absolutely. either don't have or don't feel that they have the capacity to take a step back from the pace. Right. And so the privilege to listen to one's heart and yet the cost of not right. The cost of not listening to my intuition was the inspiration of trust your truth. The nine months before my ex finally did admit to cheating on me, I did have a somatic experience and an, and an intuitive knowing that that was going on. And I went to him and I asked him about it and I tried to get to the truth because I like truth. Uh, but he and his trauma and his fear of losing me to some degree was part of his fear is he didn't want to tell me. So he lied to me thinking he was saving the relationship, which I can look at now and I can understand that now. But I knew in my body that something was off and it was a serious, like knowing in my bones, deep in my gut. But my mind couldn't make logical sense of it. There was no proof. He was telling me that it wasn't happening. And so what happened to me is I tethered my sense of knowing this inner knowing to his version of the truth to the, to his lie. And in doing that, my life got really cloudy and confusing and diluted. And I was orienting my center off of something that was, that was not true. And I was not listening to this, this knowing that would have been incredibly inconvenient for me to just be like, okay, well, I'm going to break up with you. Cause I feel, I feel like you're lying. And so, yeah, the, the, when it comes to the heart, what is the practice of listening to the heart and emotion is the language of the heart and emotion is also something that a lot of individuals in our culture want to avoid, right. want to suppress. And, and in the work, uh, I recently did the um, emotionally focused therapy um, externship. And so really looking at attachment theory yeah. and moving from behavior and perceptions, which are thoughts, into the secondary emotion, but deeper into the primary emotion and deeper into the attachment need. 
um, or the attachment longing. And I mean, this, this is no matter how you look at it, whether it's through Buddhism or through EFT, it's like working with the heart and, and listening to the heart and following the feeling and listening to the emotion and getting curious about the sensation that's that's the wave Love that we it. need to ride. We need to ride. We need to be surfers of emotion. And if we aren't, then we get swallowed by the sea. But we think, you know, we think we're we're just trying to get back to shore, but we're going to get so tired just swimming, 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 swimming. It's like, well, what if we float or what if we surf? Yeah. The ease that comes, even though it's hard, ease of that, the ease um, that comes when you just surrender to the emotion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in my experience, feeling really difficult emotions really sucks. Yes, but it when does. I let myself, <laughs> yeah, but when I let myself feel it, it's usually so much faster that it passes. Yep. That's 90 they seconds, yeah. they say. The average emotion lasts 90 seconds. So if you can just you truly be feel in it. The, the, basically the storm of it, it goes by relatively quick. But how many times have we been like, too inconvenient? I'll feel that I'll next stuff week that sometimes. I'll deal with that at a later time. I'll deal with that when I have time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and the the sense of resiliency and courage and that and and confidence that we get to feel on the other side of those 90 seconds like what does that look like like okay like i can i can weather that yeah i can be there for myself through that right. like a, like any like you know good tending parents who could be with their little one for 90 seconds or more <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm not a parent. So you two might be you more. Puppy, well, you're, you are a puppy parent. Yes, for a while, you, were. So. you know, you know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, you're right. The, the other side of it is there is peace and clarity and calm, you know, when you, when you can ride through the emotion. And there's also, I think that's where the answers live. That's where the courage lives. And if if we don't connect to our heart and really plug in, we never really take the steps that are meant for us because we're, con- we're avoiding what's authentic and true for us. Um, because mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're not riding the waves. Yeah. Um, playing it safe. Shannon, tell yeah. us what comes next for you. Yeah. You are, you're really prolific with your thinking and I know you're working on a, uh, academic degree right now and tell our listeners what you're doing and what, I don't even want to say five. That's like such an old question. What's your five-year plan? Because like we're all training to be in the present moment. Like I'm here right now talking to you. But I am curious to know like what's – What are you excited about? What are you curious about right now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just about to complete my degree after this like nearly three-year program, which has been such a wild and also very structured journey and yeah, in counseling psychology. And so I've been for the last year and a half seeing clients as a therapist at a community mental health center in Los Angeles. And I also, as a part of my program, got to do some really satisfying and in-depth research into something that's really sparked my interest. Uh, Because when we choose a thesis topic, or when I was choosing my thesis topic, I was like, well, I already wrote a book. 
I, I love writing. I know that I can write and that writing is a, a medium of flow for me. And I have to do this to meet my academic requirement. Like I have to do this to graduate. And I was like, well, if I'm going to have to do this and it's going to take many months and I know the amount of work that goes into publishing something, then I want to do something that like really is challenging me and, and lighting me up. I don't want to just check the box. Mm. I think there was like a part of me that was like, you could write a shitty thesis and it was still get the degree. Yeah. 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 You don't seem like that kind of a person. I don't think (laughs) so. Part of my work is sometimes trying to be a little more like grad school really helped challenge my perfectionism and Mm -hmm. get into that space of like, okay, it's good enough. Not Mm -hmm. every paper has to be a published work. Like, (laughs) um, but for this thesis, I wanted to explore my own attachment to my smartphone. I wanted to explore the power of poetry in my life. And I was curious about poetry in therapy and if it had been used before. Um, I was curious about doing a smartphone fast and what that might look like to like let a smartphone go for 30 or what ended up for me being 45 days. Good for you. Yeah. And I learned that there's a whole field of poetry therapy that is evidence-based and um, accepted as a model of treatment for substance use. Um, and it's used in addiction treatment and it's a really powerful way of exploring emotion with people, whether that's someone else's poem that's been written, it's a, it's safer to explore, um, sometimes someone else expressing deep emotion in a poem, someone else's words. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit safer. It's a little bit distance to like, okay, well, let's look at that before looking at, you know, what's going on in here. Um, or can be a really powerful way for someone to, to expressively write their own deep feelings. But in a, like a poems tend to be short, so they have an ending mm. and they have a beginning and they have a middle. And so it's like, there's something kind of contained about a poem. So I was learning all about that. And I was also learning about the connections between insecure attachment styles and increased likelihood of smartphone addiction. Oh, that's research I don't know. Yeah. It's so, super so depending new. on your attachment style, that shows whether you're more or less addicted to your iPhone. Yes. Yeah. So what? it's that's amazing. Well, it probably it's probably addiction in general too, yeah. right? Like attachment styles impact predict are a predictor of addiction, but now smartphones are the new I don't want to say drug of choice, but it it kind of it, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and the, these two studies look at specifically the correlation between attachment style and smartphone, a compulsive or problematic smartphone use, and um, individuals with insecure attachment styles have a higher, um, not only likelihood, they have more compulsive relationships with their smartphones because. Attachment theory is about establishing a sense of safety and security, usually in another human being. Um, And if someone has had early attachment ruptures where they didn't feel like they had a sense of safety or security with a parent or parental figure, then the smartphone provides, as long as you have electricity and a cord that's as long as your freaking 
yep. uh, apartment or house, it is reliable. It shows up. It provides constant stimulation. stimulation. Yes. It allows me to text someone about how I'm feeling instead of having an actual conversation. It allows me to hide and to not do the somatic relational work of feeling that in the moment discomfort of having a, a conversation with someone because they might not meet my needs. So instead I'm going to hide behind this phone and I'm going to be able to swipe to six other apps while they don't respond the way that I wish they would. I mean, it's really, really deep and yet it's so ubiquitous and normalized in our societies that the average person is spending eight hours a day on their phone and picking up their phone up to 250 times a day with an average more being around like a hundred to 150. Yeah. And it's changing our brains. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, I could go on really no, long like this about is, this. I feel like this is a <laughs> really topic. important topic, and maybe we have to invite you back and talk the whole time about it because we have to conceptualize other ways of doing it, other ways of living, other ways of connecting. I was thinking too of the anxious avoidant attachment style, like anxiety. That's such a great way to not have to face the world as you face it through your phone and. Uh, so yeah, yeah, man, there's so much here. And to the younger generation that have yes. come up with, you know, been raised with this since, you know, they were in infancy really. And so they don't know any other, it, to me, it, it's like an attachment that starts so young for them to their phones or mm-hmm. their devices or whatever, that it's, it's like part of them. And we see so much anxiety and depression right now in that, you know, teenage age group. Um, How was 30 days without your phone? Yeah, I, I got to know. It was heaven. It was heaven. But what I'll what I'll also say is after like five days, it was just almost uneventful. Like I wasn't missing my phone. I, I mean, I really, I at, in my thesis, I conclude with a therapeutic smartphone fast protocol. So it's like a treatment plan for people in therapy right. who are wanting to, um, pr- you know, go through a therapeutic smartphone fast. And I really kind of set up my situation because I knew I was doing this experiment for this thesis. So um, that really helped because I had like these kind of key attachment relationships in my life, like knowing I was doing this. And so I did spend more time talking on the phone to people and I did spend more time in person with people. Um, but just to share like some highlights, I, I couldn't use Google maps or ways. So I didn't have a navigation device. Did you oh, have no. to use a map? Um, did you pull out an old lives in LA? You got to have ways when you live in LA. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used Google on my computer and I hand wrote the instructions <laughs> to every single place That's I went. That's how it used to be, remember? Yep. That's how it used to be. Yes. And I, I rehearsed um, I rehearsed in my mind, like by writing it out, I sort of like... Visualized got, it? Visualized it. Even if I didn't know the place, I kind of was practicing what I was going to do. And that was amazing because there was so much freedom in being present with myself in the car. And I wasn't so fixated on getting there like two minutes earlier, like taking the fastest route. 
Um, and I was also more present to my surroundings because I was orienting my sense of place around like, oh, like that building instead of just following the blue or the green yeah. line and kind of missing everything. I was really dependent on I was developing an attachment relationship to L.A. instead of using my phone being attached as this, to your phone. Yeah. Barrier to that. Wow, you're onto something, Shannon. Yeah, you really are. I hope you write about this and yeah. help us all detach from our phones. Yeah. Okay, we always ask our final, uh, we have a final, so we have an, a foundational question we ask first, and then we always have a question we ask at the very end. So are you ready for this? Kate's yeah. going to pull it up. She's yeah. fine. So the question we ask everyone at the end, so there, this podcast is based on um, the book Women Who Run With the Wolves by Dr. Clarissa mm. Pinkola Estes. So it's all about the archetypal um, sort of wild energy. And she writes about how there are a few precious doors into the world. She writes of the wild woman, but <clears throat> we're going to call it the wild human. So if you have a deep scar, so we're asking you, Shannon, what do you think is your door into sort of your wild essence that got you out of the boxes and have helped you create this very unique life. So here, there are four doors, which is yours. So if you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you can almost not bear it. That is a door. And if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. So what door do you think you went through to access mm. that inner wild? Mm. I kind of resonate with a couple of them, but the, the first one, if you have a scar, that is a door. Yeah. That really, the first one and the last one were both speaking to me, but I think the, the center of the wound is the place of healing. Yeah. It's where the light gets in, right? Mm. Yeah. Shannon, you are a gift to this world. And oh, thank you. Really so are. are the both of you. Yeah. So <clears throat> such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. I just feel that. really honored that you spent so much time with us and that you shared your deep wisdom and just excited to see you and watch you continue to put your magic and your true voice out there. Yeah. Where can people find you, Shannon? Yeah, out there in the wild. Out Yay. there in the wild. Maybe without maybe. a cell phone. I know. He's not on, yeah. He's not on his phone. Can't get his number. Looking at the buildings in LA. <laughs> yeah. You can find me um I mean, digitally, I guess Instagram is a good place. Shannon.algeo, A-L-G-E-O, ShannonAlgeo.com. If you want Trust Your Truth or the audiobook, a lot of people love the audiobook, trustyourtruthbook.com. And find me on Tend Her Wild because yes. Betsy and Kate, I'm going to come come pounding down your door. Oh, Anytime. We hope to we meet will you in take person you in with welcome arms. Yes. Yes. Very yes. much. Yes. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. Thank you for your time. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. 
You can reach me at katemorlandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.